Does your retirement portfolio pass or fail? How do you match up against others? Find out on The Final Grade with Ron DeLegge. Now that nobody's paying attention, I think it's a good time to introduce a brand new show. What do you think? The name of the program, The Portfolio Report Card, a weekly show where I analyze and grade your investment portfolio, your IRA, your 401k plan, and so forth. Hi there, everybody. I'm Rhonda Leggy with ETF Guide. I'm the founder. Welcome to the program. On today's show, we're going to examine a $671,000 retirement portfolio. This is for BL in Spokane, Washington. It consists of a 401k plan and a rollover IRA. And we're going to find out and get to the bottom of whether this portfolio is well-built, architecturally sound, and making progress. So stay tuned for that. Now, before we go any further, I think it's right and proper for me to give you some background about the genesis of how this program began and how it started. So I kept coming back to a few questions. What can I do to help the greatest number of investors? And what can I do to help improve not just their bottom line, but also give them a sustainable edge for profitable results? And the answer I kept coming back to was the Portfolio Report Card, a tool that I built that gets to the crux of determining whether your investments are architecturally sound or not. And that's what this weekly show will feature, actual portfolios from real-life investors just like you that have IRAs, 401k plans, Roth IRAs, trust accounts, you name it. And we're going to analyze these investments together. And some of them are self-managed. Some of them are overseen by financial advisors. To me, it doesn't really matter. I'll analyze and grade any portfolio. But we're going to get to the bottom of judging whether these portfolios are well-built or not. So just to help you understand, and I know some of you are asking the question, well, what's the connection between the Portfolio Report Card and ETF Guide? Well, the grading engine that I built with the help of engineers, a team of engineers, is um, powered by and owned by ETF Guide. So that's the connection. So the Portfolio Report Card solves a couple of big league problems. First, it removes the mystery of what may be damaging or hindering your investment performance. It also explains the strengths and the weaknesses of your portfolio in key areas like cost, diversification, risk, taxes, and so forth in an easy-to-understand way. It keeps people who manage your money 100% accountable. So if you self-manage your portfolio, we're going to remove the need to, to be guessing about the state of your investments, right? Now, with the help of the Portfolio Report Card, you can find out what your weak spots are and eliminate them, and then your strong points continue to build on those areas. And if you outsource your investment management to a financial professional, you can now secretly track that advisor, their fees, their performance, and just the overall structure of your entire portfolio to see if they're properly executing. So let's talk about the Portfolio Report Card's grading factors. There are seven. 
You've got cost, risk, taxes, diversification, performance, organization, and behavior. And these are the most crit critical factors impacting everybody's performance. And really, when you think about it, uh, that's the whole idea. We want to have optimal performance, but we can't do it unless we pay attention to things like investment cost, risk, taxes, organization, our own behavior, diversification. So all of these, these factors influence the performance results that we get. By the way, attempting to analyze and grade an investment portfolio without it examining all of these key factors in unison together is a big mistake. It's like uh, going to a doctor and getting a partial body exam and yet oddly hoping for a comprehensive report that says you're in good health, right? Thankfully, the portfolio report card doesn't waste your time or my time with partial reports or incomplete reports because it looks at the entire, what I call the big picture of what's going on uh, with your investments. So um, what do the grading results mean? So this, this is another question that comes up. Let's take a look at that. So your final grade can be A, B, C, D, or F. A, of course, is the absolute best. It's superior. F is obviously unsatisfactory. Nobody wants an F. But all of these factors, the portfolio report card grading engine tells us exactly calculating the, the, the specific numbers in each respective category and then spitting out a final um, grade, a letter grade, to help us understand that whether your portfolio is well-built or not. Incomplete scores, those can sometimes happen for those that have not submitted enough data in order for us to make a reasonable judgment call about the architectural strength uh, of a portfolio. Other key points about the portfolio, it's uh, the report card, it's always one page. So no matter how big or small the portfolio, it could be multiple portfolios. It's always going to be on one page. Works on all investment portfolios from $25,000 up to $10 billion. Now, if you've got $9.9 .9 billion, I can do a portfolio report card for you, and it'll always be on one page. Um, now, if you've got more than $10 billion, uh, congratulations, you've made it. You don't need a portfolio report card. Um, your first report card that you get, and this is very important, is what we call your baseline score. So that gives us, when we do a regrade in the future, that gives us a baseline of where you're at today and allows us to be able to properly assess whether you're making progress or not. So, for example, if you got a C today and then I regrade your portfolio in a year from now and you got a C again, well, you haven't made any progress. And so that's a problem, right? We want to see if you've got an A, we want to see it stay an A. If you got a, a C, we'd obviously like to see a B or an A, but we don't want to see you go from a C to a C or from a C to a D. So that's an important element of the portfolio report card is the not just the initial grade, but the regrading. This is an annual regrading process. That's how I built it. So what are the... Um, key elements of profitable investing. So when I thought about this, I really came up with, I think, eight things that, that summarize and encapsulate 
profitable investing. And, and this slide that you're looking at here highlights each of these areas, these seven factors that the portfolio report card is built upon, you know, controlling cost, controlling risk, minimizing taxes, being organized, uh, seeking diversification, managing your behavior, maximizing performance. And then the eighth step is what we're doing on this weekly show, right? We're measuring results to see if we're making progress, if we're moving ahead. That's the objective. So today's portfolio report card, as I indicated at the outset, is for BL in Spokane, Washington. Uh, this is just a quick background on, on BL, and I think it's important to give you some context. He's got a, a portfolio that's uh, worth $671,000 in change. He's 56. He's single. He uh, works in the medical field. He manages his portfolio uh, by himself. He considers himself an aggressive risk taker, and he wanted me to analyze and grade a 401k and a rollover IRA. And the way this all started is by going to PortfolioReportCard.com and reaching out to me. That's how all of these portfolio report cards that I do, this is where it begins, at PortfolioReportCard.com. So BL made that step, and uh, for the purposes of this report card, um, I failed to mention, and I should, should should do this just to clarify, there are two services with the report card. There's a premium and the premium plus. Premium analyzes and grades your portfolio in five key areas. Premium plus analyzes and grades your portfolio in seven key areas. So BL asked, asked for just the, the, the premium, which is five grading categories, and that's what we're going to do for today's program. So these are some of BL's concerns, outliving his retirement savings. He's he's unsure if there's any areas maybe that he's overlooked or missed that could mess up his retirement plans. He's got 10 more years to go before hanging up the cleats and retiring. And he also feels that he needs to be doing a better job in terms of reducing taxes. Feels like he's, he's maybe has some shortcomings in that department. We're going to see because taxes is one of the, the grading factors that uh, that we're going to look at for BL's $671,000 portfolio. So this is a, a breakdown of how the money is allocated. He's got three individual stocks. He's got three ETFs, two mutual funds, a one money market fund. The bulk of the money, uh, just over $515,000 is in the 401k plan. And then that's uh, divided into two mutual funds, RCETX and RCIWX. These are two American funds, and uh, that's the 401k. And then the rest is in the rollover IRA. That's $155,510. And um, 50000 of that is allocated to the um, three ETFs, XLC, that's a, a sector fund, SLV is a silver ETF, and then S. CHP is a that's uh, a tips fund. I believe that one is from Schwab. So that's how the money's allocated. Now the first grading category we're going to look at is cost. And when I talk about cost, I'm looking at a couple of things. First of all, I want to make sure that the portfolio is reducing any unnecessary trading, which could elevate investment costs. I want to make sure that there's that the ongoing fees are being minimized 
in the portfolio. And then I also want to make sure that there's no hidden costs that we're missing. So when measuring investment costs, we, we always use a dollar weighted average of passive index yardsticks that match the portfolio's overall asset mix. So that gives us a yardstick or benchmark of whether the portfolio is costing too much or right where it should be. And uh, as I indicated earlier, you know, how does BL's portfolio come out when it comes to cost? Well, the bulk of this portfolio is committed to two American funds within that 401k plan that charge 1% to 1.07% annually. That's a lot of money to be dishing out on an annual basis. It's dramatically higher versus the benchmark. Now, I do know that BL appreciates low-cost investing because, as I showed you earlier, I mean, he's got three ETFs in this portfolio in the rollover IRA with uh, annual expenses under half a percent. And so I understand... Well, that tells me that BL understands and appreciates, to some extent, the benefits of low-cost investing. The problem with this portfolio is the bulk of the assets, the bulk of the money, is earmarked in high-cost uh, mutual funds. And so that, that's, that's a problem. That, that needs to be an area that uh, gets fixed. And certainly looking at the 401k menu and looking for some lower-cost options would be obviously uh, an immediate uh, fix and solution to this particular problem. Next up is the diversification grading category. So when we talk about diversification, we're looking at exposure to the five major asset classes, stocks, bonds, commodities, real estate, and cash. And then we want to avoid overlapping positions, which could create a situation where the portfolio owns too much of the same thing. That's called over-diversification. And we also want to use funds or ETFs that are proxies for the asset classes that they're, they're tracking or investing in. It was the great Sir John Templeton who once said, the only people who should not diversify are the people that are 100% right all the time. So pretty much that's everybody. Everybody should diversify because nobody's right 100% of the time. Now, BL, how does BL's diversification look? He's got uh, overall um, 81% allocated to stocks. He's got 17% to bonds, 1% to commodities, 1% to cash. Um, one thing about that commodities position, that's exposure to silver. When you think about it, silver is just one commodity within the entire group. Silver in itself is not really a proxy for the performance of commodities as a group. So yes, he's got some commodities exposure because he owns silver, but it's not really giving him that diversified exposure to the entire asset class. So it's a little bit deficient. Um, speaking of missing, uh, he does miss a major asset class. Can you figure out what it is? What's missing here? We mentioned it earlier. It's real estate. He's got no exposure in this portfolio to real estate, which is a core asset class. Of course, here in 2020, it's been one of the worst performing asset classes. Real estate, most of the global real estate funds and ETFs are getting shellacked. But nevertheless, that doesn't change the fact that real estate is a major asset class, but BL misses that one. So diversification could definitely use some improvement, and it's a little bit on the uneven side. 
In terms of the next grading category, risk, we want to see portfolios that have, um, you know, that, that align with the owner in terms of the risk character of the portfolio, right? We want to see congruency. We want to see that the risk character and the risk profile match up perfectly. We also, we also want to make sure that the, the portfolio's architecture aligns with the owner's investing time horizon. So that's important. And then make sure that the portfolio has what I call an adequate cushion or an adequate margin of safety. So keep in mind that BL is 56 years old. He's got a, a 10 year window to retire. And uh, this is his current allocation. So he's uh, a little bit top heavy on stocks, 81%. Another way to think about this is how would this portfolio do in a severe bear market, right? Well, let's just suppose a 20 to 40% decline with this current asset mix. BL is looking at about a hundred to $200,000 less than he has right now. What really worries me though, is I don't really see any real adequate cushion or margin of safety in this portfolio. He's, he's pretty much almost fully invested. And so um, that would definitely be problematic in an adverse stock market environment. And we've seen it happen in the past. It'll happen again in the future. And so it's okay to be an aggressive investor. This is an aggressive portfolio. BL has even described himself as an aggressive investor. But this portfolio, I think, especially as BL begins getting closer to retirement, he's only got another 10 years to go. He needs to be more calculated with his risk taking. And I don't want to see BL be in a situation where this portfolio faces deep losses and, and a possible setback that could trigger a dramatic change in BL's retirement plans, where he ends up having to work longer, delay retirement, or maybe even cut expenses to deal with that sort of situation. So the way that we prevent that BL is by having a cushion. And we do that, the time to install that is when market conditions are favorable, right? That's the ideal time to do it. You want to do it before the storm, not after, definitely not during. Well, you can do it while it's happening, but it's preferable to take care of this before. In other words, preventative measures. So having an adequate cushion or margin of safety is important. Let's look at the next grading category, which is taxes. We're almost done with this portfolio report card. And uh, we're going to see how BL does. Does he get an A, B, C, D, or F? We're going to find out very soon. In terms of taxes, taxes are a very thorny subject, but we want to have a portfolio that uh, should be diversified tax-wise. I'm going to show you what that means in a second. We also want to have the right balance between taxable assets, tax-deferred assets, and tax-free assets. And the portfolio, and this is very important, this is often something that many investors miss, even financial professionals. It's quite quite amazing and quite shocking that uh, people with experience miss this. But you should not be just minimizing current taxes, but you should be your portfolio should be taking steps to uh, eliminate future tax liabilities, especially during retirement years. So tax positioning or asset positioning in terms of taxes, there's only three places your money can be invested. Okay, so forget just a moment about the actual investments, what, what the holdings are. There's only three 
containers where that money can be. It could be in your taxable bucket. That's number one. It could be tax deferred or tax free. And I've shown you here some examples uh, in the orange of each of these uh, types of types of containers and what they represent and what they mean. Now, in terms of BL's portfolio, um, or well, before we I show you what BL's got, uh, this gives you something else that's important to this discussion of taxes. You see this particular slide. Each one of these containers has what we call an ideal balance. So, for example, your taxable bucket should have at least six months of emergency income to cover any expenses that may come up, emergency expenses. Um, bucket two is your tax deferred. That's your tax deferred assets. And that um, ideal balance is to make sure that by the time you reach age 72, which is when required minimum distributions kick in, that's RMDs, that that RMD is at or below your standard deduction. So depending on whether you're single or married or head of household, that could be anywhere from $12,000 standard deduction up to $24,000 and change if you're married. And so you want to keep that from a tax perspective, that distribution at or below your standard deduction, and that way that uh, distribution can come back at you without having to pay any taxes on it, right? And then you've got your tax-free assets. Pretty much everything else should go into this bucket. Um, and as we discussed earlier, your tax-free bucket are things like Roth IRA, Roth 401k, and of course any Roth conversions that you do, that'll go into the uh, tax-free bucket. So let's take a look at I, well, I don't know why I had JT. That's mislabeled here. This is BL. Um, but anyway, this is BL's asset positioning. And this is where he's at right now. He's got $43,000 in change in the taxable bucket. And then the 671 in the 401k in the rollover IRA, that is in the tax deferred bucket. And then you'll notice the tax free bucket has zero. What's going on here, BL? So you can see here that we are struggling in the tax department because there's very poor diversification from a tax perspective. All the money is concentrated in the taxable and tax deferred bucket. And so um, he's already got 671 in the tax deferred bucket. He's adding around $20,000 a year in contributions to the 401k plan. So if that just grows, let's say 7% a year over the next 10 years, He's going to have $1.6 million in the tax-deferred bucket. And it'll hit $2.4 million by the time he reaches age 72. That's required minimum distribution age, RMDs. So what are the RMDs on a $2.4 million account? Uh, whether that's a rollover IRA or 401k, it's in the tax-deferred bucket. He's going to have RMDs. So what, what are they going to be on a $2.4 million account? Well, that's going to be $86,000 in the first year. And that's going to increase because RMDs, as you get older, get bigger. And so this is going to guarantee that BL's portfolio, uh, basically 100% of his Social Security get income gets taxed forever with an RMD that large. And that's problematic from a tax perspective. See, the portfolio report card is catching this even before it becomes a problem. See, we're identifying it now 
before it becomes a problem down the road. And so from a from a tax angle, this is problematic to have RMDs that big because the only way he's going to ever be able to 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 pay those uh, taxes for the taxes on the social security income is by taking even bigger distributions from that middle bucket, the tax deferred account. And what's that going to do? The bigger the RMD, the more the taxes. And so you see this vicious, vicious cycle that the IRS has you stuck in because of the fact that you didn't properly structure your investments to make them as tax efficient as possible. And so definitely I'd say, you know, this was one of BL's big concerns, by the way, too, uh, was um, minimizing taxes. So there's some definite work to do in terms of relocating, rerouting more money uh, into the tax-free zone. And we'll have some tips for uh, BL in a second. Um, the next and final grading category is performance. So the portfolio's performance should match or exceed the benchmark. Um, and then, of course, the, the portfolio's benchmark should... In this case, it, the way that I've designed the report card, it it consists of of passive yardsticks index base that closely represent or approximate the owner's asset allocation. So we want to compare apples with apples, right? We never use a single yardstick like the S and P 500 as the benchmark of performance because the S and P 500 is an all stock index. This is not an all stock portfolio that we're looking at. And even if it was, I don't, I don't know if the S&P 500 would necessarily be an accurate uh, measuring point. Now, some of you may be saying, well, Ron, you know, Warren Buffett uses the S&P 500 as a, as a benchmark for his, his portfolio. And if it's good enough for him, then it's good enough for me. Well, you know what? You're not Warren Buffett. And when you've got a net worth of $80 billion, you can do whatever you want. But for the rest of us, we always use apples to apples, yardsticks for measuring investment performance. And remember that the only thing worse than not measuring your investment performance, the only thing worse than that is measuring your performance against an irrelevant yardstick. So, so never forget that. So in terms of performance, um, how does BL do? Well, before we give him his final grade, his performance over the past year of that portfolio, um, and, and by the way, I should mention too that the the, the actual uh, performance measuring of the report card it only goes back one year, so it's not a unabridged story or saga of your entire financial life. It's a snapshot. That's how I designed it. And over the past year, BL's portfolio gained seven point eight percent, while the blended index benchmark gained twelve point three percent. And so he lagged about four and a half percent. Those positions in Exxon Mobil and Southwest Air really hurt his overall performance. And I'm always concerned anytime I see underperformance, but I'm really concerned when I see it happening during a favorable market climate like the one that we're in. And, and we have had a favorable market climate. Uh, make no mistake about that. Um, even with the coronavirus shock, you know, market indexes have still been pretty favorable over the past year. And so if your portfolio cannot perform in line with the yardstick or benchmark during good times, I think it's it's pretty um, pretty outrageous to think that you can suddenly and magically outperform during a difficult market climate. 
So what is the overall and final grade for BL's $671,000 account? Well, the final grade is a C, and uh, this portfolio missed big time in terms of taxes, in terms of performance, it came up short. Diversification also could use some work. Um, it was uneven, and uh, BL, as we discussed, missed uh, real estate. That's a major asset class, so getting that to the uh, getting that into the portfolio would certainly help on diversification the next time I regrade this portfolio. Also using um, funds or ETFs that are what we call uh, proxies, accurate proxies of the asset classes that they track. So for example, that silver fund, you know, that just tracks one commodity within the group. So having a more broad, broadly diversified commodities index fund, that would be much better in terms of diversification than a one-off commodity fund in terms of uh, taxes, BL definitely needs a better, a better um, division or, or separation of his, his, his money into those three buckets, taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free. He's got nothing in the tax-free bucket, and that really is bad from a tax angle. So he's got some work to do there. And also, no written investment plan. Forgot to mention that. So your investment plan is your GPS. It keeps you on track. And I didn't see any written investment plan. So uh, BL definitely needs to, to, to add that to the equation. So here's some tips for helping BL improve his grade the next time I analyze his portfolio. First of all, let's increase that portfolio safety net. Let's de-risk a little bit and let's add a margin of safety or cushion. Also, let's start rerouting some of those retirement contributions into things like Roth IRA, Roth 401k. So this is a homework assignment for BL. Talk to your employer. Is there a Roth 401k option? Ask. And if there is, then look at uh, rerouting some of those contributions. Instead of filling up the tax-deferred bucket, start filling up your tax-free bucket. And then this is going to better help BL with his tax diversification. And then add that written investment plan and then aim to reduce investment costs even a little bit more. Take a look at that 401k menu, examine it a little bit more. There's gotta be some lower cost options, maybe even some index options, that index fund options that, that BL has maybe overlooked. I grade IRAs, 401k plans, Roth 401ks, you name it from uh, institutions or, or portfolios held at uh, just about any institution. These are just some examples of, uh, of companies that I've analyzed and graded portfolios from. And so if you'd like to get your portfolio analyzed and graded by me, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, just go to PortfolioReportCard.com and get in touch with me. Pick a plan. And then from there, we can begin to understand where you're at. And then once you understand where you're at, then you can understand the strengths and weaknesses of your portfolio, build on the strengths, eliminate the weaknesses, and get closer to your financial goals. So let me throw it out to you, our audience. How did you enjoy the first episode of the Portfolio Report Card? What about your own investments? What areas of concern do you think that you see or, or potential problem areas after looking at BL's portfolio, maybe some areas that, that you think, wow, may, maybe I, I need to, to work on a couple of things. Well, before you start making any moves or making any changes, 
I recommend that you first get a diagnosis, a full body exam, and that's what I will do with the portfolio report card. I'll help you understand exactly the strengths and the weaknesses so that you can operate from there and then make a make prudent decisions and hopefully with the objective of having a more profitable outcome that is sustainable. So that does it for this episode of the Portfolio Report Card. I'm Ron DeLegge. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching. No part of the final grade with Ron DeLegge may be copied, altered, or redistributed without the expressed written consent of its producers. The show should not be construed as legal, financial, or tax advice, nor is it an offer to buy or sell security. Portfolio Report Card is not a guarantee against market losses or warranty of investment results of any kind. Some of the guest names have been changed to protect identities. Go to PortfolioReportCard.com to learn more.